When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash. So on Monday, we watched Melanie Griffith deal with sexual discrimination and make it in a man's world in Working Girl. And today, Reese Witherspoon takes on, uh, Californian discrimination as she shows those pompous East Coast Ivy League snobs a thing or two. From 2001, we're talking Legally Blonde. One of the reasons I wanted to come here tonight was to discuss our future. Of course. I plan on running for office someday. Warner. I think we should break up. What? Oh, if I'm going to be a senator, I need someone serious. I'm seriously in love with you. I love you. Liar! This is the type of girl that Warner wants to marry. A law student. Going to Harvard is the only way I'm going to get the love of my life back. For my admissions essay, Action. I'm going to tell all of you why I'm going to make an amazing lawyer. I feel comfortable using legal jargon in everyday life. I object. We'll have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Putters. And bend and snap. And bend and snap. And bend and snap. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I was terrified. <laughs> I'm Chris Tilly. How are you both? I'm better than you. <laughs> bend and snap. We'll get, we'll, get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. All right. Do you want then. to do it now? I could do it. Yeah, you could. I could. I'm not going to. I'm not going right. to. I might do it later. When it comes to the bet, I might do it. Anyway, uh, very quickly, uh, let's remind ourselves of whose choices these were. They were these. They were mine. Tell us why. Because I love them and I wanted to celebrate them and have a good week where we had some empowering messaging, etc. <laughs> and we did agree palate cleanser after all the dead children yeah, last week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we covered Battle Royale. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so very quickly, if you haven't subscribed to us, if you'd be kind enough to do that on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods, that would be massively appreciated by the three of us. And if you're able to give us a little rating and a review, we'd be very grateful. And if you do give us a review, it might get read out on the show by Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly, which sounds a bit like this. This is from Ichimaru Tim, I think is the name, uh, who says, I'm updating my old review to say I'd give this six stars if I could. What? <laughs> if only for Alex's extremely niche shout out to my old chest height bass playing maths teacher, Mr. Brown. Wow. Hey! <laughs> uh, side note, I dread to think of the beatings that Alex would have got for rocking up to Boston Spa with his briefcase for a round of Warhammer. <laughs> you see, it was a Delcy briefcase. It wasn't a leather briefcase. It was a Delcy briefcase, so it was made of like plastic or carbon fibre or something. So when they threw rocks, just bounced off. <laughs> More for them. Just bounced off. <laughs> oh, I love the fact. Oh, so that must so what, what was the name? Well, I don't think it was a real name. I don't either. It was Ichimaru Tim. Okay, well, Ichimaru Tim. Um, that must be an, an, old, an old student from Boston yes, Spa. Yes, definitely. But he mentioned how, how, how it was quite rough. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't when I was there. I mean, 
I mean, it was for me, but I yeah. don't know that for, you know, if I hadn't had the Anyone briefcase, else. I'd have right in. Uh, that's amazing, Mr. Brown. Love Mr. Brown. Hello, Mr. Brown. Uh, yeah, chest high bass playing. Love it. Great stuff. <laughs> right then, on Monday, we hoovered in our pants through the world of finance. And today, and uh, not for the first time, Chris is saying, I am the law. Chris takes on a journey. Elle Woods is a seemingly dopey sorority girl whose only wish is for her boyfriend to propose. But instead, he breaks up with her because she isn't serious. So to prove him wrong and get that engagement she so desperately craves, Elle follows him to Harvard, where she realises he's actually a creep, learns to love the law and wins a murder trial. The end. Or at least it should be. But Elle also falls for a 31-year-old law associate who preys <laughs> on 18-year-old girls. And the film actually ends by stating that he's about to propose, thus making Elle's original wish come true, thereby undermining everything that followed. And that's Legally Blonde. Oh, yeah, I accept that. Wow. So, uh, Vicky, you kind of picked who would do these films based on the fact that it was a first-time watch for Alex on yep. Monday and this was a first-time watch for me. Yes. So when did you first see Legally Blonde? Oh, a long time ago. Um, it's It would have been uh, just to... Yeah, just when I was going through a bit of a phase of rom-coms. I've only seen it once, um, but the structure of it is so clean that mm. I can remember the beats really, really perfectly. I was interested to watch it again, just with a little bit more modern eyes and just to see how it stands up and all the rest of it. And you do have the most modern eyes in this room. <laughs> Thank you. Very modern, very modern eyes. How about you, Alex? Uh, seen it once around the time it came out on DVD and I remember being entertained, but I, and I will clarify because I said this to you before the show, I was not looking forward to watching this again. I was like, ugh, Legally Blonde, no. I just thought it was... A decidedly average movie. I didn't really enjoy it that much. Wasn't looking forward to it. I was wrong. Okay. I enjoyed it a lot, lot, lot more mm. than I anticipated. Uh, so good choices this week. Thanks. So let's delve into the history of this film because it's quite interesting. Uh, we start with Amanda Brown, who went to Stanford and decided to write a book about her experience as a blonde at law school. Uh, she took community college writing classes, put together a manuscript and shot the book around but was unsuccessful. She later resubmitted her manuscript again, but with one major change. <laughs> this, is so this is a direct quote from Amanda Brown. I wrote it all on pink paper with my pink furry pen. I finally found an agent who picked it up out of a slush pile because it was on pink paper. It went out to studios and publishing houses the same day and overnight there was a bidding war. MGM bought it, but it was rejected by everybody on the publishing side. Um... Vicky, as someone who worked as an agent, would it would it being in pink paper make you read it? <laughs> this is the disconnect between me. Look, this you know, there's many sides to your personality. I don't like pink paper. I don't like pink. I don't like pink pens. I don't like any of that. But if I'd picked it up, I would have loved it because it's really about. And obviously, Reese Witherspoon just makes it, but it's really about Elle Woods more than the film itself. Like, you know, I want to be able to be me and make it work and make it in a man's world and all the rest of it. So It's interesting you say that because I'm not sure you would have because by all accounts, and I haven't read it, the book is pretty terrible. Right. And Elle is completely different. She's much less likeable and much more snarky and shallow. Right. So I think, I guess, uh, the producer, Mark Platt, or someone at MGM saw potential in that. Yeah. Because I think if they'd adapted what, as I hear it, the book is about. Yeah. It got, it's not the story you're, you're talking That's about. Fair, yeah, it's just the hook, isn't it? I suppose you buy you buy the property to develop the hook, mm. which is in quote most like Ditz goes to law school because you can yeah. sell that. Yeah, and, and they did. So uh, there's a great New York Times article about the history of this uh, story. Uh, it's written by, um, the, the script was written by Karen McCullough, Lutz and Kirsten Smith, our who we know, friends, yeah. our old friends Ten from things 10 I Things I Hate About yeah. You, who I love because they're really good for a quote as well. They're yeah. such smart women and they've just got, they, they tell the story so brilliantly. So uh, Kristen Smith said, it immediately struck us as one of the greatest movie ideas ever and we pitched it as Clueless Meets the Paper Chase. One of those law school movies from the 1970s. Uh, she said she wore a lot of pink in the meeting to, to get the to get the gig. And Karen says uh, there were some differences in the manuscript. It wasn't a murder trial, and she ended up with a professor. So we made some changes. It was a matter of finessing the details and adding a few characters. So uh, first time director Robert Luketic joined uh, an Australian guy who just made one short film, um, and he said the studio greenlit the movie because they initially had the wrong idea about the project, believing they were making something more in the vein of American Pie. 
And actually, oh, everyone okay. involved said that initially it was going to be much it more was, yeah. boobs and wet set, t-shirts, wet t-shirts, raunchy one-liners. Okay. Um, uh, Smith says it transformed from non-stop zingers that were very mm. adult in nature to this universal story of overcoming adversity by being oneself. Should we talk about casting? Mm-hmm. So Christina Applegate mm. uh, was going to play Elle. I would have been good, yeah. yeah. I'm a yep. big, yep. big, big fan, so I yep. think she'd have been great. Yeah, it would have been sort of an extension of what she'd done on Married with Children, I mm. think. Uh, but um, there was a brief conversation about Britney Spears as well, yep. um, as we mentioned on Monday. But uh, Reese Witherspoon actually went to Stanford uh, before dropping out when her acting took off. And Mark Platt, the producer, pushed for her in the role. Um, but he said that Witherspoon was hesitant because she was afraid it was too similar to Clueless, <laughs> which had just come out mm. in terms of the character, which obviously you can see. Uh, but Platt told her he was envisioning something closer in tone to Private Benjamin, which mm. is a great movie. We yeah. should maybe do and one she day. She wanted Clueless as well. The actor Reese Witherspoon wanted Clueless very bad. So it's I can understand why she might be hesitant, but mm. also it's like you you got another shot to do that thing. Yeah, I, I guess if that also comes out, if the movie's not good and it's in the public domain that you wanted Clueless, and yeah. then it's like, oh, she tried to do Clueless, having been denied Clueless, and it's not as good. It didn't work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, MGM weren't convinced by Reese Witherspoon. She said they thought I was a shrew. <laughs> uh, my manager finally called and said, "You've got to go meet with the studio because he will not approve you. He said he thinks you are really your character from Election and that you're repellent." <laughs> Uh, she was also told to dress sexy at that meeting. Sure. Ooh. She was quite, I mean, she was quite a big deal by this point. She'd been in a lot of big movies. She'd been, what, Pleasantville, Cruel Intentions, obviously Election. election yeah. Uh, American Psycho she'd yep. been in at this point. I mean, I'd seen her, first of all, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come out and say it right at the top. I'm a massive, massive Reese Witherspoon fan. I think she's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I remember first thing I ever saw her in was Freeway. The little indie <laughs> movie. Yeah, yeah. That is bonkers. That I know. Film. It's such a mad film. And it won't surprise you that it's written and directed by Matthew Bright, who went on to do Tiptoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, it's like a modern retelling of Red Riding Hood and Kiefer Sutherland plays the big bad wolf. It's great, mental, but great. Okay. Um, so, she endured multiple rounds of auditions for Legally Blonde. And at one point, she had to have a meeting with all the executives in character where they fired questions at her. Whoa. This seems ridiculous when, mm. as you say, she's got some star power already. And you know what she can do because this isn't 100 miles away from Tracy Flick. Yep. Uh, in, in election. Uh, but she got the role ultimately and then she spent a lot of time with the director trying to figure out how to make a spoilt rich girl likeable. Mm. Uh, which is why Elle doesn't talk down to anyone in the movie and she's always helping people. And I think, you know... I think that was the big change from the book. And it's no surprise that we really like her because as a character, she has no negative qualities in that movie, which yeah. is how you get by the fact that she is, uh, uh, you know, a sport rich girl. Yeah. Because, because the minute you give her anything that people go, oh, well, there you go. Uh, she's got that quality. So they just they just like literally gloss over any possible crack in how brilliantly lovely she is. Yep. Uh, uh, other, other casting potentials. Chloe Sevigny nearly <laughs> played Vivian. Uh, Paul Bettany nearly played Emmett. Yeah. And my favourite, Courtney Love, nearly played Paulette. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It would have been a different Paulette. I don't think it would have have sort of resonated as much warmth I think you, if it was Courtney Love. <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge is absolutely brilliant. <clears throat> Did you watch The White Lotus? She's great in that No, I haven't well. seen it. Oh, so good. She's brilliant in that. Mm. Yeah, but I, th- I feel like they did partly say to her, look, what you've just done in Best in Show Yay! and a bit in American Pie, just come do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the white loads people said, just come do that. Yeah. She's just very good at that. Yeah. Um, and that's about it for background. Mm. Yeah. Should we talk about the movie? Uh-huh. It did well for Reese, though, didn't it? Obviously, she went on to Sweet Home Alabama after this, which was another big hit. And then she did the sequel to this, Red, White and Blonde, which at the time made her one of the highest paid actresses in the world. I think she got $15 million for the sequel. Wow. I'll get on to the sequel. All right. We'll get there. Let's talk about this movie first. And I'm kicking off with a section I'm calling Sorority Blues. So quickly, isn't it weird? I was watching this and I thought how weird it is that sororities are not part of our culture. And it just gives you like what I don't know why it hit me watching the start of this, but it gives you an idea of just how powerful and how prevalent American films are in this country that you can watch the start of this and go, oh, it's a sorority. I get what a sorority is without Mm -hmm. it being a cultural thing here whatsoever. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's quite a lot of terms I still get confused about, though. Yeah? Yeah. Like valedictorian. What's the valedictorian? It's top of your class, I think. I think Is it's it? about how you, the grades you get. I, oh God, but that's me just borrowing from everything I've ever seen. Like I don't actually know that. 
I think. And we're going to get into the grades here. I've got, I had to Google quite a lot of grade stuff here when we talk about how to get into Harvard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it kicks off with some horrible punk pop called Perfect Day by Hoku, which apparently people love. I thought that no. was horrendous. No, thank you. <laughs> what are you... Are you both taking you be, crazy pills? You like that song? What's the? Is it the song at the end of Ten Things I Hate About You? Yeah. You love that song. Yeah, yeah and I love this every, song as well. Every song and every film from this era is good, apart from this no, one. This is great. This <laughs> is absolutely great. I was humming it for ages. Proper earworm. All right, agree to disagree. And there's a teenage girl who isn't Reese Witherspoon brushing her blonde hair and, and shaving her legs, and it's not her nails or her hair or yeah. anything. That's someone else. Uh, it's pink everywhere, and she's at CULA, California University of Los Angeles. Uh, because USC and Stanford both refused to let them use their names in the movie. So they created this imaginary univer- uh, college, unlike Harvard, who had no problem with the presentation of one of their professors as a sexual harasser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead, fine. No, that would never happen that here. That is so real. <laughs> so Ali, Elle is a classic overachiever. We see she's homecoming queen. She's sorority present, uh, president. Uh, <laughs> Can you imagine if they brought a professor? They were like, you should meet Professor Stevens. He, he would be a great help for getting this character right. Professor, come... He's in jail. <laughs> He's in jail. Every Sorry. Time. How about? <laughs> She's presented as, as somewhat vacuous, but uh, when the pretty woman salesperson tries Yay! to sell her a sale item at full price. <laughs> totally. Uh, we see another side to Elle. I wrote uh, it down. It's like bitchy shop assistants are a movie trope that just work every time. Yep. They should have cast that woman from Pretty Woman. That would have been good. Uh, so we realise that she's smarter than she seems. Uh, but she thinks she's getting engaged, uh, which doesn't go well. Uh, Warner. Her fella says Harvard have it is a different world and he wants to be a senator by the time he's 30. He needs to stop dicking around. He needs someone serious. He needs a Jackie, not a Marilyn. Uh, so he breaks up with her just as she's saying, I do. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what's really good in this scene is this is where I was like, oh, I love Reese Witherspoon because she balances comedy, like mm. proper like belly laugh comedy with actual emotion. She walks that line mm. so well where you're totally invested in Elle. She's not like a comedy character, but she's also really funny. She's, yeah. she's hyperventilating in quite a funny way, but she's breaking down in quite a sad way. I also think, um, is it Matthew Davis who plays mm. Warren? Yeah. I think he's really good. Very he's good. A re- and he's cast so well because yeah. he's not like massively dislikable. Whereas mm. that character, you know, you could sort of go, right, I get it. He's just an awful, like, tough, like, like yeah. villainous, slimy, smarmy dickhead. But you like him, like you know, he's an idiot because he's he does such stupid things later on. Have I feel like thought... you liked him more than us, though, because maybe you saw a little bit of yourself in him. I mean, only in the massive wealth. But <laughs> <laughs> you're my Warner. Have you read that book about Laura Bush? Um, some really famous writer, who's the one who she wrote. The, I need to look it up, but she wrote that book about Hillary Clinton. So she takes like people's lives and like reimagines what would have happened. So it's Laura Bush meeting the Bush family before they got married. Right. So the writer, Curtis Sittingfield, I think, yes, has done a really good job of like bringing the Bush family to life. And if you've read that book, Warner makes sense, as in he's like from a moneyed family and he's a good guy, but his family, but there's a lot of pressure on him to do what his father has done and what his brothers will probably do and all the rest of it. So you do feel a kernel of sympathy for mm. him, even from the off, for me. Yeah. There's one scene that I don't like, but we'll get to it. Isn't that what Succession's about? Just yes. meeting these rich people and hating them and then realising life's grim. Season three. Coming back soon. <gasps> uh, right, back to film. Elle uh, realises she needs to become a Harvard law student to get her love back. But her dad thinks law school is for people who are boring and ugly and serious. Uh, what's so bad about that? I feel like that's my job on this podcast. <laughs> I bring that to the table, don't I? Someone's got to do it. Every week, without Um, fail. So she needs recommendations from professors, an admissions essay, and 175 on her LSATs. She gets a 179 on them. And then her admissions essay becomes a video. Alex, I can see you're getting excited about that already. so good. Is it because she's wearing a bikini? Uh, I mean, I, look, I'm a big Reese Witherspoon fan, but no, I just think it's it, it, like it, the, be, the best bit in it that I wrote down two ticks, which is my, I've got a two tick system now. If something's really good is, mm-hmm. is I object. Yeah, and someone whistles at yeah. her, don't they? Um, yeah, it's really funny. There, there was There's some deleted scenes on the DVD that are great as well, where she's doing more of those shouting out legal terms while she's, <laughs> while she's skating. Brilliant. Um, there was going to be a Judge Judy cameo here, uh, but sadly she turned it down. Do you know the quote about that? I'm sure you're going to get to it. Uh, go on, what, go on well, because they wanted Judge Judy for it, and um, and Judge Judy wasn't interested. And then they uh, they uh, they had an idea. They were like, "Oh, I'll tell you what we should do. Um, we should try and get um, your husband 
Ryan Felipe, uh, he could be a famous judge in it and his face keeps appearing on billboards and everything and that could be the Judge Judy role. And Reese Witherspoon's response was, no one's going to believe my husband's a judge. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, uh, so the stuffy men of Harvard are impressed and she gets in and uh, McCullough, the screenwriter, said um, that apparently video applications became a common thing for a while after that to Harvard. Mm. Um, but they just did it because it's a more interesting to watch than hear someone reading. And we yeah. get a great joke later on where she says, I got a coppola to direct my admissions video. <laughs> but you don't hate her. No. It's amazing. Yeah. And then we're into section two, which I'm calling Slobs v Snobs. I have a question. Mm. So the bit in the boardroom at Harvard where they watch the video yeah. and then they're all discussing whether or not to admit her. And in the end, they're like, well, we talked about being more diverse. I couldn't work out. It is the joke there that there are all a lot of old men who mm. fancy her because they've just seen her in a bikini. Or are they genuinely thinking, like, you know, we are meant to be being more diverse yeah. and she is exactly that. I didn't feel like they were being, they were perving on her necessarily. No, I think I they, their world was like blown apart by this big pink breath of fresh air kind of thing. Mm. And obviously she's still a moneyed white person. But to those moneyed white people, she does represent them branching out a little bit, which yeah. is crackers, but there you are. It's weird because you do think you would have played that scene like like a really, maybe too simplistic way of playing it would be a lot of men being like, yeah, I'm old, if they so old professors going, get her in. Yeah, because when, um, what's he called, the bad dude, Callahan. bad professor? Callahan. When he turns bad, when you first meet him, you actually don't suspect he's going to be that person. So if they'd gone with Pervin on her, it might undercut the surprise. Absolutely right. And when we talk about Callahan, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I thought they used diversity to get a hot girl into their school, right. who they all fancied. Oh, did you? Yeah, oh, I so thought you they were dirty, it was dirty old okay. men. They were dirty old men. I couldn't work it out. It's sort of, it's sort of, it's so in the middle. It doesn't lean either way. So uh, she travels cross country to Harvard with a truck full of pink stuff and her Chihuahua bruiser. <laughs> uh, she meets and embarrasses herself in front of her study group. Uh, <laughs> it's the greatest name in cinema history. My name is David Kidney. Yes! <laughs> I love David Kidney. I wrote it down like six times. Like, do not forget that. David Kidney so is good. a fantastic name. <laughs> and I, this is probably the reason I was excited to watch this is because being a horror geek, um, Oz Perkins has been making some of the most interesting horror films of the last 10 years. If you like slow burning, terrifying films, this guy, Oz Perkins, makes them. So I was reading interviews with him and everyone always says you were in Legally Blonde. How do you go from Legally Blonde to this? Um, and the reason he's making all these horror films, his dad is Anthony Perkins. Oh, right. His dad is Norman wow. Bates. Right. Yeah. And he had a brief acting career where he was in this very famous film mm. and now he makes writes and directs horror. So he's just a really interesting dude. Yeah. And he's very good here. Yeah. And, like, I was surprised because I obviously looked him up and I, mm. I was like, why has he not done more? But obviously if he's moved into writing yeah. and directing horror, because yeah, yeah, yeah. you're surprised that he didn't go on to bigger things because he's got a real Will Ferrell vibe in this. Yeah. He's a really big name in horror now. Mm. And it's a cool name, Oz Perkins as well. Um, so she bumps into Warner. Oh, David Kidney. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she bumps into Warner. Uh, I like this exchange. I totally forgot you you, you go here. And she, he's like, you got in? What, like it's hard? Oh, God, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then she, she sort of has ups and downs. She then embarrasses herself in Professor Stromwell's class because uh, she didn't know they had an assignment. And then we meet Vivian, played by Selma Blair, who hangs her out to dry and who we later find out is also engaged to Warner at this point. So she's got this enemy. And it's fun to see them together if you've watched Cruel Intentions because yeah, there's friction there and friction here. Good, another good name, Vivian Kensington. Yeah. Great name, but Austin Powers, isn't it? They, I, that's where Vanessa Kensington is, Liz Hurley's character in that, yeah. isn't it? But obviously that's later. And she meets Emmett, played by Luke Wilson, uh, who gives her some uh, classroom tips. And who is Luke Wilson in this film? I, f I found that a little bit bothersome. I think, I read the writers saying, we always pictured Luke Wilson. And when you're writing something, you do knock it about, you're like, you know, when you're reaching, it's like, like, like Luke Wilson. And I think what he's meant to represent is slightly outside of the system, probably a little bit of a rebel, but not, so not the stuff shirt, not the blue blood, not that. So kind of fills that space that... He would be the sort of man, I think he's meant to be, when you're writing it, the sort of man that she would never normally go for. But because it's like Wilson, like it just takes me out of the film a bit. Like I can't believe that they always had him in mind because I don't like him in it. No, I mean, did they ask for, did they write in the script bland Luke Wilson? And did they ask him, <laughs> can you be bland Luke Wilson here? Because yeah. you can have good Luke Wilson in the odd Wes Anderson film, but this yeah, is... Yeah, he's great in the Royal Tenenbaum. He just barely exists in this film. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she finds out about the engagement. She's upset. So she speeds to Neptune's hair and nails for some TLC hmm. and finds a friend in Paulette, played by Jennifer Coolidge. 
She's great. Fantastic. Who listens to her troubles while lusting after the UPS man. And yes, on scene stealing form. Did I you? Think it's uh, fair to say. Did you find you? You'll have found the quote in the New York Times article about mm. Jennifer Coolidge. What fancying the UPS yeah, guy? So funny. Yeah. She was like, she was like, I had a real crush on Bruce Thomas, who played the UPS man, but he was married and had a beautiful wife and children, so I had to shut that off. <laughs> um, and she decides to enter Professor Callahan's contest. We mentioned Professor Callahan, uh, where you compete for top grade and an internship. So we've got a little bit of a competition going on in the film. It's kind of turned into a bit of a sporting movie as well. Mm. Um, then we've got an interlude where she's invited to a costume party and she dresses as a Playboy bunny. But guess what? It ain't a costume party. Oh. No. And did you notice when Warren is like, why have you come like that? She doesn't go, because your fucking girlfriend told me it was a costume party. She doesn't throw Vivian under the bush. She says, oh, you're awesome. Like, oh, I just wanted to. I just fancied it. Yeah. This is, is the bit, this is the bit that I'm not... It's the only bit I don't really like about Warner because he's very, very tactile with her. Now, I know they were in a relationship, but he is with Vivian now. Yeah. And he's really like when they're talking and he's sort of stroking her arm and everything, it's sort of like, that's a bit sleazy. Yeah. And he's not really that character throughout. He's sort of like closed the door on Elle and then I don't know whether it's because she's dressed in that costume. Yeah, as a Playboy bunny. Mm. And also there's a weirdness when... The, sometimes the way that Elle tries to best Vivian is to make out that Vivian is in quotes like frigid, which is a terrible word, but she's like, oh, do you remember that time we were in the hot tub for four hours and whatever? Mm. And it, the inference is Vivian is, she's not going to do that because she's not fun and relaxed and cool and everything else. And she is it's also, shut down. It's also a very good line. When I dress up as a frigid bitch, I try not to look so constipated. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a zinger. It is. <laughs> but it, it blew my mind a little bit watching this. I went and did some Googling and, and this film came out in June of 2001 um, Bridget Go- Jones came out two months before oh, with Bridget yeah. showing up to a party dressed as a Playboy bunny mm. and no one else's yeah. I mean that's exactly the same and I was trying to figure out if they sort of, what they felt about this and I found um, on, this, on the commentary you mentioned it Luketic says he watched an early cut of Bridget Jones while he was editing this and lost his shit mm. and then Rhee said she saw she was at the premiere of Bridget Jones and afterwards had to go up to Renee Zellweger and say I've just done that in my film. <laughs> and um, Luketic says it was a really innocent coincidence, but I'm not sure it was mm. because it's also in the Bridget Jones book. Uh. And I can't believe that the two women who wrote this, knowing them as we do, haven't read Bridget Jones yeah. 10 years before. So a uh, bit of a shame. But uh, Bridget Jones was the winner because it made double what Legally Blonde did. Okay. Did it really? Don't yes. pit the women against each other. I just Chris. did. Like, yeah, I just did. It's, yeah. it's sort of what we did that on about. Monday. Well, you shouldn't steal from other women. <laughs> Um, shouldn't steal it. Shouldn't steal in general, by the way, listeners. Just, I mean, the, the moral here is don't steal. So uh, whether it's a, a woman or a man, or a man, or a man. Uh, so she walks out of that party, realizes she's never going to be good enough for Warner. So she's going to show him, and we get a training montage. Yeah, we do. There's quite a lot of montages in this film. Uh, she buys a computer and some books while still wearing the bunny suit, which is a really <laughs> funny image. And I thought that was quite strange in this film. Every student has an IBM ThinkPad, apart from Elle, who has. An apple. Yeah. She's the hero. Like, they must have got permission from both of them, like, for that product placement. I wouldn't be happy if I was IBM. True. The only person that doesn't have one of ours is the hero. Uh, But she starts reading. She starts making notes um, at the hairdresser. She starts answering questions in class. Uh, Weird moment here uh, that I picked up from the commentary is they had to use CGI in that scene where she answers a question in class because there's a deleted scene where one of the, someone's horrible to her falls asleep in a, in a library and she she writes the word eat me on his head and he's directly behind her and you can see eat me in the deleted scene and so they had to CGI this bloke's forehead because it would make no sense. Uh, what a waste of money. Who wrote it on his head? Uh, L did. L did? Yeah, yeah. Why, was he a bad guy? Who's this guy? What's that scene? Well, like I said, he's bullying her. Oh, it's just see. someone who bullied okay, her right. in the film. And it, she helps Paulette get her dog back. Yeah. Um, Love that. Yeah, I thought you would. You didn't care for that scene, did you? No, I like it in terms of the structure. Just if it was getting a bag back or something, it'd be better. (laughs) What what would you call that moment in screenwriting where she saves the dog? I I really don't. I guess save the... Something moment, I think, but I don't know. I'm not great with theory. Save the bag moment? No, yeah. that's, that's what's... That's, that's I what I... That's how honestly, I, I can't think of one, Chris. Okay, well, let, write in, re- <laughs> listeners, and tell us what, what that could be. Ugly uh, <laughs> <Blue> Peter. <laughs> she gets in a mass debate with Warner about masturbation, and she wins her argument in quite a clever turn of phrase. 
And she hands Callahan a pink-scented resume mm. and ends up becoming his intern for the murder trial, which is funny, realising that that's how the manuscript got sold and they yeah. wrote it into the script. So let's talk about Callahan now, right? Because you yeah. mentioned it earlier, and I think uh, Victor Garber, Garber, he is so good because you do not see it coming. That's right. Like, I genuinely, I think I think a lot of movies like this would de- would feel the need to maybe signpost it in some way or the actor would signpost it in some way like they know that was coming further down the line. Yeah. And so they'd allude to it in some way. Don't you don't get a sniff of no, that about him at all. He's twinkly-eyed, avuncular. Seems lovely. Yeah, seems like the right person. Which is why when it actually happens it's great cuz yeah. you're like <gasps> Yeah. And we'll take a quick break now, but when we come back, we'll be doing the bend and snap. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. So we're back with the bend and snap, but before we get there, the film has some plot machinations to work through um, because Elle's now wearing black. She's at work. She looks amazing. She looks amazing. Yeah. I think she's got 57 outfits in this movie. Did you read, I read them that she kept them because did she? she did an interview where she's like, the thought of like some creepy old dude in Wisconsin smelling the seams upset me so much that I bought all the outfits what? and put them in storage. <laughs> I mean, something must have happened. Something that's very, very specific. very specific. very specific. Hello, Elle. <laughs> it's me. I'm still in Wisconsin. <laughs> Uh, she finds out Emmett's an associate at the law firm, but she's fine with that. Um, and uh, the the trial involves defending an exercise impresario called Brooke, uh, a woman whose wealthy husband was found shot to death. And she was seen standing over the body by the daughter Chutney and the pool boy Enrique. Uh, more on them in a bit. But um, Brooke recognises Elle from one of her classes. And uh, she's impressed that one of her legal team has a brain. Uh, and uh, Elle finds out her alibi, but they can't talk. She can't tell anyone because her career's bit on fitness and she was getting liposuction. So That's good. Uh, Elle's really, put in this position really of trust. quite ahead of its time. Yeah. Because so you're like, what could it possibly be? And the easy thing would be like, oh, it's an affair. And as so if people found out I was having an affair, blah, blah, blah. But then they save that like card for mm. later. But it's so ahead of the, its time in terms of there's so much like talk now about like influencers, Instagrammers flogging you 
face cream, famous people, use my face cream to look like this. It's like, you don't fucking look like that mm. using a bit of Well, I imagine acid. it was because Susan Summers at the time, if you remember, she got she got done for having liposuction when she was she was advertising the leg exercise oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so she had these toned thighs and it was because she paid for them. It is a little bit ridiculous, though. I, I will say this is the moment where you go, this is definitely a comedy, where yeah. everything else is sort of like there's a there's a reality to it. The idea that you wouldn't say I was getting liposuction to get off a murder trial yeah, you is prison very, very silly. Of your life. But yeah. there's arguments about that secret alibi uh, and they cause Vivian to see who Warner really is. And eventually uh, she becomes friends with Elle Gelpow. It's great. Mm. And then uh, she teaches Paulette the bend and snap. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't love this scene. I've got to be honest. It comes out of nowhere that it's like this sudden musical number. It's very funny for a bit. And then for me, but this also possibly because I'm just not a huge fan of musicals. It just kills it. Well, it came from a strange place. Mm. So Karen McCullough says that Mark Platt wanted a B-plot for Paulette. uh, And they were looking into the store being robbed and having some kind of crime. But it felt off tonally. And so McCullough, they they were struggling and they were pissed in a bar, the screenwriters. (laughs) And uh, McCullough says, I was like, what if it's as simple as Elle teaches her a move to help her get the UPS guy? And then Kristen jumped off her bar stool and said, ooh, like this. And she did the move. Uh, And Smith said, Karen is like, did someone teach you that? I'm like, no, I made it up right now. Then we went to Mark's office and I did the move. Tony Basil, you know Tony Basil. Hey, Vicky, you're so fine, you're so fine. You're... Tony yeah. Basil ended up becoming involved as a choreographer. Sorry. And and uh, so she found herself going to very famous dancer and choreographer Tony Basil's studio and teaching her a bunch of dance steps that she made up when she was pissed. Brilliant, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of where it came from. But so... it's also, I think it must be simply as well, because 10 Things I say, Hate About You is the reason these women got this gig, mm. doubtless. That had a musical number that everyone remembered, as did every romantic comedy at this time. You just stuck in a musical number. Some yep. of them were terrible. And I just felt like, well, it's de rigueur. We've got to do it. Yeah. So you don't like it? I don't like it because the move itself doesn't develop. So you do, you get to see a bit of dancing, but it looks like improv around one quite straightforward move. Mm. It's not because it's um, silly, sexy or anything. It's just It just kills the joke for me a little bit. I... I actually really like it, but I like it for a very strange reason because I think it's one of the most cringy moments that I can think of. Like it's just, It makes my blood run cold because it's so embarrassing and so <laughs> awful. But for that reason, I quite like it because it has such a pronounced effect <laughs> on me. But if that is not the intention, if it's meant to be like kooky and fun and funny, yeah. I'm like, this is awful. Yeah, Everyone comes like out of Like when everyone's laughing and they're like, this mm. is the best thing we've ever done. Hey, can I do it? Can, yeah. Is this it? And can I bend like, oh. over? Yeah, I think you probably can. It's quite funny watching Jennifer Coolidge in it as well because mm. all she's doing is pushing up her boobs. Yeah. <laughs> she's not doing the bend and snap. Mm. Um, and she said that's because she she couldn't dance. She said to Tony ba- uh, Tony Basil, "I'm not Elle. I'm the other character, Paulette, and I wouldn't be really good at the bend and snap. That's not who I am." And Tony said, "Jennifer, you need to learn this dance number and do your very best because even if you're trying to do your very best, you will still be the worst dancer here." <laughs> it was very sobering moment, but she was right. Hmm. Um, so apparently, it then became a big dance move in gay discos in Italy. Yeah, I read that. I'd love to see that. Back to the film. Um, so Elle heads to a spa with Emmett to interview the ex-wife, played by Raquel Welsh. Oh, man. Um, my, this, I've got an issue here. I don't believe that that woman would call her daughter Chutney. <laughs> it just wouldn't happen, would it? She'd call her daughter Champagne or Chardonnay, but not Chutney. I do also Chutney. think the scene, because I, I think about this scene a lot, like in terms of the structure of where we are, because structurally this film for a rom-com is flawless, but obviously it would be coming from the writers that it does. But I think they only go all the way to a spa to see Raquel Welsh, who gives them a bit of information to sort of help them on their quest. So that Elle and Emmett can have some time alone, away from everything and the you know the other sort of yep. confines, to show this amazing chemistry that's going to develop, and it, that does not work at all. Like she looks annoyed to be in the car with him, like she can't wait to get out of the car. You just don't believe yeah, in them. I hundred percent agree. And also in that scene, they shoehorn this conversation about blondes. Yeah, and and the ex-wife's roots, and talk about Elle's blonde power, and it's like we don't need that. I know you're trying to tie it up with the title, but. It, the title's good. We've got it. We yep. don't need it explained <laughs> in some bizarre way in the film. Um, it's funny, though, reading about Raquel Welsh in her two scenes. They, they all say that um, 
she insists on lighting herself. Okay. Yeah. And so, but they all were like, the effects are amazing because she does look incredible, mm. but it's quite annoying for the director and the, and the lighting technicians. Yeah. She brought her own light. Basically, she had her own lights with her and she had them set up in specific places and the cinematographer went, I had to be very careful. So I faded hers down as I brought mine up and she didn't notice. Oh. But she even had a hat. You know the hat? <laughs> this is so cool. She's so obsessed with getting enough light on her face. So the hat that she wears in the courtroom mm-hmm. actually underneath the brim Don't lie. has a reflector that bounces light back onto her face. Wow. And that's why she was like, I have to wear this hat in that scene to get say, more like, light. Mini lights, like a flying no. saucer. <laughs> and there's a, it's just followed by a very sweet little, what I'm going to call a save the dog moment. Oh, I love this. Oh, that's, <laughs> you know what you were talking about earlier? Mm. That would work. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, are we talking about the same one where David yeah. is, is having sort of these two girls are being horrible to, to dorky David mm. and uh, she runs over and slaps him and has a go at him to make yeah. him look How more attractive. How dare you? How dare you? It's so good using her feminine power to help him out. It is a little bit, it's not quite with the sisterhood, but, but it does make sense where they're like, oh, okay, if she if she can do that, we'll go out with you. <laughs> but the way she just rounds on him is like, how could yeah. you? It's so good. And he 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 delivers as well with his reactions. Yeah. Like that works because of how he reacts. The, yeah. the, the, the confusion and then the, the, the dawning realisation. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're into the final straight, which I'm calling trial and retribution. Uh, so we meet Linda Cardinelli as the, as the daughter Chutney, uh, who's busy blaming uh, Brooke on the stand. Uh, we also meet the pool boy, yeah. who's claiming he had sex with Brooke and that she made him wear a thong to clean the pool. Mm. And then using what I think is a pretty lazy stereotype, um, L realizes the pool boy's gay because he knows about designers. I know, but it is um, funny. <laughs> as she says, gay men know designers, straight men don't. You know designers, Alex. I certainly do, Levi's. Why <laughs> <laughs> <And> not? <laughs> but it's sort of Marks and Spencer, or Marks and Sparks if you're in a rush. <laughs> you're in a rush. <laughs> Marks and Sparks if you're anyone's mum. <laughs> Got to get in there quick, grab those St. briefs. St. Michael? Are you talking about St. Michael? <laughs> but they do kind of... Burton. <laughs> Wear a lot of burn. Uh, they do, they, <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> of course you I do. can't afford your clothes, Alex. <laughs> Marks and Sparks, you can. <laughs> Great deals. Uh, but they sort of pile the stereotypes on each other here because also, oh, he left a share tape in the pool house. And they're jokes, but I don't know. It feels a little bit lazy. Emmett fires questions at him and discovers his boyfriend's name is Chuck and the boyfriend shouts, you bitch. And it, I don't know. It all feels a bit clumsy to me, yeah. particularly oh. as the one lesbian character. It, all she talks about is really being a lesbian and being militant. And so she <laughs> yeah. doesn't have this sort of out, life outside the of, other side of, of that. Yeah. But that's that actually comes from Amanda Brown's experiences, though, doesn't it? That the, the lesbian character in the movie, she says that when she was at law school, she uh, went to go and meet the women of Stanford Law. She was like, I'll go and meet some nice girls, uh, whatever. So I went to this meeting and these were not women. They were really angry people. The woman who was leading it spent three years at Stanford trying to change the name Semester to Ovesta. <laughs> it's a real thing that she that yeah, used in but, the script. But I also think it's probably not great to say that these lesbians are not women, you know? Yeah, oh, I don't agree with that. I'm just saying that's exactly what she said. And then she's clearly just transplanted that into the book and they've taken that from the book to the film. Yeah, they just become, they're just very humorless, aren't they? Like, language is important. And if it, you can well, change it to Ovesta, it's, 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 but... it's great that it's got two gay characters in it, but they're both caricatures. Yes. I just think, yeah, I, I think the, the moment that really, uh, well, it's my change, but I've got another one. But it's... Um, it's the moment where uh, where she goes, you'd call me a dyke behind my back is really quite jarring mm. because it's sort of, it's weird to have that character attack Elle and Elle be the victim in that scenario and be the one sort of who's being discriminated against when it's the person who you would think might understand discrimination better or sort of like, you mm. know, is the one being the aggressor. Yeah. It's a very, very weird decision and it sort yeah. of sits uncomfortably. Mm-hmm. Uh, Callahan starts hitting on Elle. Harassing her. Just to, just to go back and check. So the bit where he goes, you bitch, and stands up, you don't like that? Because that was one of the biggest laughs for me when I was watching it. I don't like it because uh, Enrique is, is outed, which yeah. is never great. But it, it, it just at the time it was written, there's another way of writing that scene, which is it would be appropriate at the time. It still might not work now, but it achieves the same goal where... Yes, he's outed, but he's triumphant about that. It still leans into stereotypes about being out and proud, but he is shamed and humiliated. And you can still make him, you can still reveal that he wouldn't have slept with Brooke, but make it a moment of triumph for him. I wondered that. 
I, I, I did think about that because, first of all, I just think it's the delivery of Chuck when he goes, you bitch, and stands up. It's like, I didn't expect that coming. You immediately laugh. I, 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 my assumption was that he, he wasn't outed so much as he, he was out and proud and gay, and then he'd been convinced to pretend to be heterosexual for this trial. Yeah. So it wasn't so much he was outed as, to me, this is just, I, I sort of read it as like it had been revealed that he was lying, but it wasn't like he, he wasn't shamed in that experience because he was already like very much out and proud. He yeah. was just like in that situation, it was revealed he was lying to the court. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? I do. And I do think there's a, another layer where they talk about him wearing a thong, but Brooke is like, yeah, I did because I liked looking at him, mm. which I think is good. That's great. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. 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 So Callahan starts hitting on Elle in a very uncomfortable, horrible scene, um, which has to be in here. Um, but Elle stands up for herself. She calls him a pathetic asshole and leaves. And she decides to leave uh, the school. She says goodbye to Paulette at the beauty shop. Uh, and this is where Stromwell, her teacher from earlier, who was kind of uh, quite nasty to her, tells her she can't let one stupid prick ruin her life. That's mm. right. Which is a great line and it's delivered brilliantly by that actress. Yep. Uh, and so Brooke fires Callahan and makes Elle her representative. She's, it's such a silly moment. But when she walks in, she says, excuse you. <laughs> we don't. That needs to come back. I love yeah. it. And then like a superhero putting their costume back on, <gasps> Elle returns oh. to the courtroom, but in pink this time. But that's the magic of this film. That shot from the feet up and she's back in her signature colour, like pub quiz, you would know that shot anywhere like you will never forget that that's from this film it's so memorable so iconic which is weird for a very frothy little rom-com I, I mean at, at this point i'm so into this movie as i'm watching it <laughs> just because it's like it's now a, i love a courtroom drama and i love a courtroom climax yeah. and this actually does it really well well it yeah. feels like a sports movie honestly it feels like she's been training and yeah. this is the big game and paulette and the ups man show up her old schoolmates show up because girl power and so everyone's coming to watch the big the big match and so she's Chutney's on the stand mm. and um, she's being questioned. Elle's questioning her and uh, claiming... Chutney's claiming she didn't hear the shot because she was washing her hair in the shower. But Elle, as we as the audience had, because as I say, it's the first time watching this, as soon as Linda Cartelelli showed up with that hair, I was like, what's going on here? This is, <laughs> this is odd mm. for 2001. This was not the style. Uh, but uh, Chutney's just had a perm. And the rules of hair care are simple and finite. The cardinal rule of perm maintenance is don't get wet in 24 hours. Have you ever heard of perm? I did. Did you really? Yeah, when yeah. I was 11. Wow. <laughs> Everyone was doing it at school, so okay. I just did it. And yeah, I think, we, I think the whole family, my mum used to love a perm. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure that one day... The three, my mum, my sister and me, we went out to the hairdressers, bye dad, bye husband, whatever. And we just all came back with perms. <laughs> and the big conversation for me at school was, do you perm your fringe or not? Because you're going to have, for quite a few years, big curly hair, straight fringe. But if you curl your fringe, you look like a dog. So, <laughs> so what do you do? A literal dog or a metaphorical dog? A literal dog. Okay. A literal dog, like a curly, you know, I, I don't know dogs, help me out. One with curly hair you know over dogs. his eyes. A poodle. A poodle, a poodle. yes. Yeah. I didn't I, know that. I said, I said you it. did know that. I said <laughs> poodle. Yeah. Chris wins um, the quiz. I'll try and find you a picture. I yes. just have this huge... For Twitter. Mm. Yeah, big, blonde. <laughs> We'd like to see hair. that. Alex, have you had a perm? Uh, no. Weirdly enough, though, I had this really strange experience. My hair was straight uh, until I was about... 15 and then I got it cut and it grew back curly. Oh, wow. Have you ever heard of such no, a thing? That's no, that's the weirdest thing. So that's why I've got curly hair. But until I was like wow. 15 years old, I had straight hair. Magic scissors. We're, we're... <laughs> Movie, right down. <laughs> we're a bit too young for the men with perms era. Yeah. I think was, maybe yeah. if we'd been older in the 80s, we might have done it because it looks like everyone did. I don't get it, but it looks like a lot of people did. <laughs> I, had a, I, I had a mullet until I was about 13. Did you? Yeah, oh, yeah, I never yeah. went down the mullet route. I, I, I didn't really. Well, the thing was, I wanted to. I wanted a ponytail, but I didn't want my hair long. So I grew my, the back of my hair to have a ponytail, but I always wore a baseball cap. So if I had a baseball hat on, I looked pretty cool. I was like, a young kid with a baseball cap and a ponytail. That's cool. Take it off, mullet. Wow. Mm. Wow. Never really not. <laughs> <laughs> so then the ending is relatively abrupt because thanks to Permgate, uh, Chutney confesses the motive was the age of Brooke, but she'd meant to shoot her rather than her dad. Case closed. Um, Warner makes his own confession that he loves Elle. Uh, but Elle says if she's going to make partner by the time she's 30, she's going to need a boyfriend who isn't a complete bonehead. <laughs> yeah, go Yay! girl. And then we get an ending. Um, there seemed to be a lot of 
difference of opinion about endings for this film. There's some sounds like they shot. I couldn't really believe some of them. Do do the first one because it sounds nuts. No, that... I didn't think it was true. I I mean, but. I mean, someone, I, I don't know why, it's one of the actresses who plays one of uh, Reese's friends, said the first ending was Ellen Vivian in Hawaii in beach chairs drinking margaritas and holding hands. The insinuation was either they were best friends or they'd gotten together romantically. Nice. I, but I think that's made up because apparently the screenwriter said no. Okay. Uh, McCullough says, we originally cut to a year later. Ellen Vivian were good friends and Vivian's now blonde. They had started the Blonde Legal Defence Club and were handing out flyers in the quad because that was the ending in Amanda's manuscript. I think that works. Uh, Smith says one of the versions ended with Emmett and Elle kissing. We screened the movie two or three times and every time people didn't want it to end with a kiss. They thought it wasn't a story about Elle getting a boyfriend, which is really cool to have people to say that. I agree. So I have problems with what you actually did. Uh, and because of that, McCullough says that in the theatre lobby of the test audience, they were like, why don't we cut to graduation and do captions a year later? And so in the lobby, they started writing it with the producer. So we cut to two years later and um, in a scene that's shot in Dulwich College. No, a really? A school I nearly went to. Did you? Yeah, I got into Dulwich. Fancy pants. Mm, beautiful school. Yeah, I got in and didn't go. Why? I, I went to a different posh school. <laughs> <laughs> not as posh as Dulwich. It, not wasn't, as posh, it wasn't posh enough. <laughs> no, my school was not as posh as Dulwich. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and so we get this weird thing uh, because these were reshoots and they were done in London because uh, Reese Witherspoon was, was shooting Importance of Being Earnest. She's wearing a wig. And I think it's the first time her hair doesn't look amazing. Yeah, you can tell <laughs> it's a wig. Which is a shame. Definitely. Uh, as, is, as is Luke Wilson, because he was bald for Roll Tenenbaums. Um, so Elle's the class speaker, and she delivers a speech that a certain um, Tosspot plagiarised. You, would really... you like to hear this? Yeah. yeah it's amazing. Because he, he borrowed Air Force One's music the other oh, week. No. We take our next steps into the world. You must go forth into the world. It is with passion. Passion. Courage of conviction. Courage in your convictions. <laughs> and most importantly. Most importantly. Have faith in yourself. Be true to yourself. <laughs> we did it! I did it. <laughs> it's oh, the no. fact that he changes it from we did it to I did it. <laughs> so that was oh, Jimmy, God. that was Jimmy Fallon. Credit to him, he found that. Um, and so that horrible punk pop song starts playing. <laughs> Love it. Um, and we get some <laughs> captions. Perfect. Uh, Vivian dumped water, Warner. She and Ellen are now best friends. Uh, Warner graduated without honours, without a girlfriend and without any job offers. Paulette married the UPS guy mm-hmm. and they named their daughter Elle. Uh, Emmett quit Callahan's firm and opened his own practice. And he's been dating. This is the last caption. He's been dating Elle for two years and he's propose- proposing tonight. Yeah. And it's just, it crushes me because it just doesn't need to be there. Yeah. But it just makes it makes it seem like none of this has happened. It's weird because in terms of again banging on about structure, it's the the failed wedding proposal sets her on a certain path, and then the classic moment where you're a bit unsure about your quest, and so she wobbles after she's shamed in. I can't remember something happens like she's shamed in the study group or whatever it is, and she rings home and she rings her sorority friends, and one of them's uh, trying on a wedding dress. So the thought of you're meant to think that going back to this wedding without achieving her dream, she'd be embarrassed, but also her best friend's getting married. And so she's missed out on that thing. So she's sort of forced back into Harvard because she was going to quit and go back. But it's the sort of the pushing on through act two is because her friend was getting married. So it would be so much better for Elle if by the time she got to the end, that none of that matters. Like it was really important to none her. None of and it matters. Not. Yeah. Because they said that the audiences didn't like the, the film ending with the two of them kissing. Uh, but I think that would be better than this because this is about the frigging marriage thing. The kiss is fine. Yeah. You know, it's cool that she's in love, but like making it about this thing that she wanted so desperately at the beginning and then realised she didn't want, she wanted a career and she wanted, you know, to become herself and, yeah. and, and grow. Yeah, I, I really struggled with that and I nearly I felt like throwing something at the telly. Yeah. Don't. You nearly did it, people. Yeah. And you shouldn't throw things at TVs. No. I did that once. I know. I threw a remote at my flat screen TV because I was so annoyed and had some wine with a scene in a movie. <laughs> Didn't survive. Had to buy a new TV. Idiot. I thought I, I felt I was going to look pretty cool and uh, and I, I still feel like I did. That's, but no, stop telling that story because it reflects really, <laughs> really badly. No, I'm, on no, you. I'm, I'm embarrassed about it now, but uh, I mean, I was embarrassed about it the minute it happened. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, you, I, what I mean is when I was going to throw the, the remote, I was like, yeah, like Christian Slater in Heather's when <laughs> he shoots the TV. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. So uh, I listened to the commentary, and at this point, Mark Platt says, let's do it again. Let's make another film about Elle Woods. Stay tuned because you never know. And they went on to make another film about Elwood's, um, a 2003 sequel called Red, White and Blonde. 
Um, have you seen it? No. Yeah. Oh, I know. Have You've you seen it? Yes, no. I have. Yeah. Well, this is confusing. Yeah, um, sorry. Oh, what did you think of it? I thought it was piss poor. Oh, really? <laughs> is it bad? It doesn't seem to get talked about much. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's just a rehash of the first movie, but without any of the charm. Mm. It feels very mechanical. It doesn't feel like, whereas this, you feel like everyone's heart is in it and they really, everyone's enjoying themselves and they really feel that this is something special. It just, like so many sequels, it just feels like going through the motions. Is she still with Emmett? Can't remember. I mean, it's that forgettable. I watched yeah. the whole thing. I think I she's, believe that. she becomes a senator or something. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 which makes sense. I mean, that does seem like a logical, you know, sequel story to tell. But mm. uh, there was a musical launched in San Francisco in 2007 before uh, moving to Broadway. It closed a year later, but it lasted a lot longer in the West End. Mm. We fell in love with the Legally Blonde uh, musical. It starred the likes of over the, over the years it was playing Sheridan Smith, Denise Van Atten and Duncan from Blue. Duncan from Blue. They all played Elle Woods. <laughs> <laughs> Duncan from Blue can do anything. <laughs> yeah, he can. He's um, a magician. <laughs> yeah, he's doing, a, he's doing a cabaret now where he's in drag. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Proud gallery. Um, and it's been touring the UK ever since, off and on. Brilliant. So it's still big over here. And there's a third film currently in development. What? Uh, which Mindy Calling is writing yeah. and Reese Witherspoon's going to do. Wow, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Again, I wouldn't be averse. I enjoyed this film and I wouldn't be averse to a 20 years on sequel seeing mm. what that woman's doing. Definitely. Yeah. She, I mean, she's a great character that's been created by Reese Witherspoon. Mm. I mean, you know, like I said, the sequel's rubbish, but, you know, Minnie Kelling's really good, so I think that could be great. Yeah, I agree. And that's Legally Blonde. Should we do the bits? Sure. All right, Vicky, your movie. What's your favourite scene? The video that gets her into law school. That's brilliant. That's yep. it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> good. Nice. I like it. Uh, Alex? The video that gets her into law school. Yep, that's it. Okay. <laughs> it really is, though. That is what I've got written down as well. Uh, I've got... Oh, mo- wait! Also, just because it's the bit where um, uh, Chutney blurts out the truth and the case is won because that is un- ultimately a fist-pumping moment, like in any courtroom drama where you win the case. Yeah. I-, I was very invested in that. Uh, I like the bit where Elle says to Dorky David, I've already spent too many hours crying over you and hits him. <laughs> <laughs> I just found it really, really funny. Yeah. Uh, most valuable whatever, Alex. Uh, Reese Witherspoon, without a doubt. I told you at the start that I'm a massive fan and I just think she's so good in this. And I don't think it would be... I know we sort of mentioned Christina Applegate and it's impossible to know what she would have done with the role. Yeah. But I'm still going to say I just don't think this movie would be half as good if it wasn't Reese Witherspoon in that role. That's Sarah Michelle Gellar. No. Why would you say that? Mm, she plays a lot of characters like this. Vicky? I would like to give a shout out to the producer or uh, studio person who they did when they did a test screening. You know the bit when um, Ellen Warner have broken up and her friends go into her bedroom and they're like, what's the one thing that always makes us feel better? And they end up in the salon. The original line mm. was, um, what's the one thing that always makes us feel better? And someone said, cunnilingus. <laughs> and this dude in the test screening was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and so they had to lose it. So I'd like to give him a shout out. I hope he's okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Reese Witherspoon, obviously, or like it's hard. Okay, I'm going with uh, Reese Witherspoon's hair. <laughs> she had 40 different hairstyles. And I know this because I watched a 10 minute documentary about her hair. Wow. And how uh, the colour blonde is open to interpretation. Sure. So we've got cool blonde, true blonde and legally blonde. So, yeah, there's a huge hair, colour and style department on this film. And I think they really do elevate proceedings. <laughs> she always looks amazing. Yeah. It's, it's a treat for the eyes, the, the, the outfits, the hair, everything. So, yeah, it's called cool, most valuable, whatever. Mm. So uh, what would you change, Vicky? I've got a few things. I oh. don't like, I put, put Ryan Felipe in the Luke Wilson role. I would like to see that. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Yep. He's just as bad. A lot of people fancied Luke Wilson on the set. So yeah, there was a lot of gossip no. about romance, but no, he wasn't. He was, Ryan, the, the quote is that, that he Felipe. was. I do like Ryan Felipe, but it's because of Cruel Intentions. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Good film. Um, Bad actor. The real Lou Wilson was dating two supermodels while he was filming this. Fuck off. Mm. Really? Yep. God, that's depressing. Why? Just because... Not for Luke Wilson. Well, no. <laughs> At the same time. Apparently those so. girls were up for that. Mm. Good for you girls. Who says they were girls? That's true. Sorry, apologies. Sincerely. Wow. Woo. I just apologised. I'm taking back the modern eye <laughs> statement from earlier. Archaic eyes, Vicky, over there. <laughs> Anyway, my real change is, it's hard to articulate, but I love the moment where she's like, the rules of perms are this, but the way she wins the case 
even though I made a point about not changing, she hasn't changed as a person because she knows about perms, but she could have never gone to law school and she would have been able to do that because she would have watched TV <gasps> and she would have watched... This is, no, this is exactly... This is, I wasn't going to mention, but this is exactly what Nettie said. She went, after she watched it, she went... It didn't. She didn't learn any. Yeah. Nothing she learned from law helped her win that case. Yes, that's exactly right. So that's what I would change. It has to be the combination of the two. Wow. Mm. Yeah. I didn't mind it. I thought. I thought. Yeah, but I thought that she was only in that position because she went to a law school. Yeah. So I, I gave her. I gave but her a the, pass. The, the full punch for the full like yeah, this journey has been amazing. It's uh, something plus something equals right. that. Alex. Um, well, to go back to what you were saying about the ending. I fundamentally agree. Uh, I, I do not like the ending of this movie, and I've got I've got a, a much simpler way of doing it, which is the minute she walks out those doors into the white light and goes, "Thank you, boys," to the guys who hold it open, bang, that's you out. Yeah, I don't think you need the speech at the end. I don't think you need no. to know what happens with anyone. I think it's Elle's journey. It's always been Elle's journey. You don't need to know what happens with Emmett. You know, you know, he's a sex like the, the the other people. It's like. You know, Warren is like, she said what she had to say to him. He's not going to make it because he's an idiot and he's a bonehead. Walk out the doors, put that brilliant punk pop tune on <laughs> into the light. And that's how, how you go uh-huh. out. And if you are insistent, like if you're like, no, we need more closure. People want closure. People want closure. Make the captions funnier. I know how you do it. You do it like the hangover style. So you have selfies, Polaroid selfies taken, sh- charting the years, uh, the parties she went to because... The inf- well, not the inference. The thing is, these blue bloods, they all wear brown, muted. They're very much like the way you dress, like muted autumnal shades. Mm. Bullshit. Um- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not a bad thing, Chris. You've got to celebrate you. So, yeah, you Apart show... Apart when I wear white and pink. Which is never. And so then you show <laughs> the snaps of her being at parties and, and ascending through Harvard, and then the final snap is graduation, hats in the air, we're out. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Yeah. I just, I, I, I just, I think it's, it's, it's five minutes too long for me. Yeah. Okay. My change. I said about the gay stereotypes. I've said about the music. There were a lot of good pop punk songs in that era, Alex. This is not one of them. We could have found a better one. Right. Oh, okay. Um, I really would have liked to have seen Callahan get his comeuppance. Oh yeah. In some way, shape, or form. I just think that would have been very satisfying. Do you know, like the end of old school, where the professor crashes off the bridge. Yeah. Uh, the evil dean crashes off the bridge, mm. or something like that. Something yeah. fun and silly, but that, that definitely deals with him getting his comeuppance. Yeah. I also think Bruiser could play some part in finding a key piece of evidence. Of course. Or that's playing a into good the story because Bruiser's just kind of there, doesn't really do anything. Mm. Yeah. I don't know the point of Bruiser, and he could do something. He could sniff something out. Yeah. I'd, I'd, have, I'd, have, I'd have Bruiser sniffing something out. So Bruiser could sniff something out and then get into trouble and Elle has to save him and you've got to save the... Oh, wait, did we have I something for this yeah. moment? A save the something moment. Mm. We'll come back to it. Matt's Legally Blonde. <laughs> All right, Working Girl versus Legally Blonde. We are done. It is time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! So, V, your movie. So do you want to go first? Uh, Chris, please. Okay, both cracking fairy tales. Um, Legally Blonde, I liked a lot, but it's a bit broad for my personal tastes um, because, you know, not a single character rings true and that's fine because that's not the story they wanted to tell. But for me, I got a lot more out of Working Girl um, because it's while it's a heightened reality, I actually believed in the characters and that just makes me more engaged and more invested, meaning I felt much more come the ending of the film. Um, So Working Girl edges it for me. Okay, you can go next. (sighs) Can I? Yeah. Thanks. All right. So uh, I will say uh, well done on these this pairing, Victoria, because this was a really, really tough choice for me. You know me. the trouble with you, you and me? You don't believe me. What? When you said wow. it the first this time. Feels like, <laughs> this feels like unnecessary. You hit a sweet spot. You said it once. Yeah. I was like, that, you're lying. You said it twice. I was like, he's not lying. Mm. You did it three times. I was like, God, he's really not lying. I feel really like special. Okay. And then you've done it again. And now I think you're lying. No. I'm okay. not. I'm right. really did look at, look, at, look at his face though. He's like, <laughs> yeah, it's really what annoying. The fuck? <laughs> I am genuinely being genuine. All right. I love Don't this Don't you concern that it's so hard to tell? <laughs> <laughs> Is it wrong that I quite like the fact that it's so hard to tell? Right, shut up. Uh, really tough choice this week because it was a great pairing, really good pairing. I enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good, Vicky. It was. A- it was. A- it was actually good. No, no, he's. No, I'm, I'm with I'm with him now. It is. It's a great pair. Yeah, well done. Well done. Uh, honestly, I couldn't have picked a better pairing myself. This is a fantastic pairing. So, uh, really tough choice this week, as I said, because it's a great pairing. Because <laughs> it's such a good pairing. Uh, I enjoyed both films. Uh, <laughs> Victoria, Chris, let's get it together. This is the verdict. My my verdict on a 
cracking pairing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I enjoyed both films a lot this week, uh, and I was pretty sure after watching Working Girl, which way I was going to go. Uh, Because I thought, this is fantastic. And I remembered watching Legally Blonde and going, I didn't like it. Then I watched Legally Blonde and I was like, wow, this is so much better than I remember. But then again, I did love Working Girl and I love the 80s time capsule and it's a great movie. But in the end, close one. Uh, But for the central performance, for how invested I was in it, more than I thought, because it's just very, 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 very funny. Legally Blonde. Wow. So I don't actually know. So I'm just going to decide as I'm talking, right? You ready? What? Oh, this I isn't actually, good. I actually no. don't know. All right. This so, isn't good. okay. It's because it's such a good pairing. It really yeah, is. It is good pairing. <laughs> so I know that Working Girl is the more important piece of cinema and that Legally Blonde is froth. But Legally Blonde does not pit the women against the women because it was written by women. So therefore, that makes sense. And that is a big thing for me. Working Girl is amazing. But when it comes to writing something, wouldn't you just love to do a Legally Blonde? Like, wouldn't that be the most fun in the world? And it doesn't it doesn't feel super frothy. It feels quite important because Reese Witherspoon is so committed to it. Oh, but yeah, to button it with the marriage thing just knocks like one point off it. So working girl. What? Yeah. Are you really? Yeah, oh, I am. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually thought Legally Blonde had it this week. Yeah. I really did. Like, ask me tomorrow, I changed my mind. Because it was super, well, so, you, so, no, so close. You can't listen no, to no, We're, yeah. we're going to end yeah. the recording. <laughs> we're not staying over. <laughs> we're not coming back tomorrow. Oh, no. okay. No. No, I can see. Obviously, a really tough choice. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because sometimes you sometimes you think of a pairing that they're just it really delivers on the promise of the premise of the show. Sometimes yeah. they don't. Fantastic choices, fantastic. Uh, so, Legally Blonde has lost. Working Girl is our winner this week. A massive surprise, but. That's fine. Uh, don't say it. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Alex. I can't help it. I can't help myself. Oh, right. Are you probably upset producer Blondine as well, Vicky? Yeah. Oh, I know. Sorry. Right. Big, big Legally Blonde fan, so we're going to have to go face that. Yeah, yeah. In the in the top ten movies of all time, I think I'm right, Blondine. I you might I'm find right. yourself cut out of this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these were my choices. I'll just I'll just edit now so we can drop it in. So my choices this week, cracking pairing. pairing. What about Great next pairing. week, Alex? It's right. too hot in here. So, uh, I said my clue for next week's films was, I'd like the royal suite, please, before I tell you what the movies are, big announcements. So you know that we love Halloween on this show, because we do bloody love Halloween, don't we? Mm. We love Halloween. Mm. Best night of the year, and every year we like to count down to the greatest night of the year with some brilliant horror pairings. This October, our Halloween countdown, or this... Shocktober. Shocktober. Our Halloween countdown is even more special as we are celebrating the master of horror, Stephen King. It's a month of Stephen King adaptation versus Stephen King adaptation, or as we're calling Shocktober, King versus King. <laughs> King versus King. How exciting is this? Is this very, is very, the yes, yes. Very, very exciting. Uh, I, honestly, I cannot wait for this month. So, back to my clue. I'd like the Royal Suite, please, to kick off our month-long celebration of Stephen King as we prepare for Halloween. Chris, from 1980, you are getting The Shining. It is free on Sky, if you have Sky. So it's not free, because it's Sky. Or you can rent it. <laughs> Just say it's on Sky. <laughs> <laughs> or you can rent it on Amazon. <laughs> and Victoria, from 2019, you are getting Dr. Sleep, which is also available on Amazon. Don't know if it's on Sky. <laughs> it, is, it is on Sky. It is on Sky. <laughs> so, kicking off King versus King during Shocktober, our Halloween countdown. We're going to have to narrow down which one we're picking as a title for Shocktober King versus King, uh, our Halloween countdown. It is The Shining versus Doctor Sleep. Do your terrifying homework. That's how we're kicking off. If you haven't already, do please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. Back on Monday, talking The Shining. Bye bye. This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creative Network.